How do you learn who you really are? It's not found in books. It's found on the battlefield. What's up, warriors? Welcome back to the Battlefield of the Mind. Today I'm here with Nathaniel Dunn, and this warrior is in the battle with me, and we are going to be pulling people out of hell, and I mean this literally. So welcome, Nathaniel, and please tell these badass warriors who you are. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. I've enjoyed our conversations up until now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> up until this moment. Yeah, up until this moment. Well, no, I, th I think... Uh, there's a there's a real lack of real talk in the world and um honesty and transparency and people willing to ask the tough questions and and um stick their flag in the in the ground and say this is what I stand for and this is what I think and it seems like from our conversations up until now you're clearly one of those guys so um I'm looking forward to this um who am I I am a, a change maker I'm I'm really interested in change fascinated by change actually and what that means for me is change in in someone that can lead to change in the world uh i'm someone who's uh gone through a lot of my own growth and, and change and and completely changed my life around and that's allowed me to now do work that i think is important and meaningful and significant in the world and um i see that there are a lot of problems that we face in our modern society and um, we need more people involved in, in solutions rather than creating problems. And so that's that's what I'm interested in and what inspires me. And what that looks like is I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm coaching, I'm working with entrepreneurs, people who are using business as a tool for positive change in the world. Uh, I'm helping people to figure out what they want from, from, from their life and who they are and helping people get on and, and, and be who they want to be in the world uh, and doing that through a number of different mediums from writing and speaking, running groups, running men's groups. Um, you know, it, it, it takes a number of different forms, but, but ultimately that's, that's what I'm about and what, what interests me. Yeah. You dropped, you dropped a bunch of pebbles here that we can go in deep on like any of these options, everything from right now, people are starving for authenticity because there's so much fake in this world. And then yeah. also change and what that actually means and why people struggle with change. Right. Are you on the problem team or solution team? And then finding yeah. purpose in your men's group. You're just, listen, you're, you're planting these badass seeds here that we can go down and get people going, damn, I needed, I needed to hear that. Right. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to start at the main thing. And then we're going to go into some of the other things right now. Your purpose right now is men. And I am in the same fight with you. We're fighting for our guys. Why did you choose to go in the direction of like our men? We need to, we need to, to fight together. Why did you choose that direction? Yeah. Um, it just started to occur to me that that would be a useful place to look or a useful place to focus on. Um, I, I, I'm going to, catch you on that because that that isn't my only purpose really my my purpose is is broader than that because i think i think what's going on with men is a is a, a vehicle for creating bigger change i think the much bigger problems in terms of um how we run our world and what we value and and um how our system works and i see that the male dynamic is at 
the root of much of that actually. Um, and where that came from for me was actually uh, going to a men's group, being invited to a men's group. I hired a coach when I first started my business, and I was, I, I kind of, I learned some some skills to be able to to help people and to to coach and to be you know good at facilitating change in someone. Uh, and I assumed that that would mean all of a sudden the clients would appear. And uh, as anyone who's gone into business for themselves knows, it doesn't work like that. And um, I was scratching my head for ages going, you know, I think I'm good at this, but I don't seem to have any clients. And I hired a guy to help me, a guy called Ankush Jane, um, who, to, to help me to grow my business. And when I hired him, he said to me, uh, I, I think you should come to this, this group that I run. He runs this thing called the Powerful Men's Immersion, which he's still running. Um, I think he's been doing that 10 years now. And um, I was like, well, what is it? You know, I, I had no idea what it was really. Uh, and he said, look, trust me, it will, it will help you. And it will help you with your business, but it will also help you with everything else. It will help you with your relationship. It will help you with your state of mind. It will help you with your health. It will help you with anything. And I was like, oh, that's a big claim, you know. Um, but I trusted the guy. I was just about to pay him a lot of money to help me. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you. And I went to this, to this, uh, to this men's group with no expectation, really. I didn't know what it was. Uh, and it was such a powerful experience for me. It was a bunch of guys for a number of days and the rules were, there's no judgment. We're not, we're all equal. There's no content. There's no agenda or curriculum or something. We're just here and we're here to learn and grow together. And whatever you bring to this, whatever you are seeking in your life, you bring it to this group. We're here, and and that was quite a, that was pretty confronting actually, because I was like, I don't, I don't know how to play this game. You know, I've never been, I've never ever, and I was, I think that was like 2017 maybe. So I don't know, I was like mid 30s, and I've got to that point, and I thought I've never been in a space like this with other men, ever. And that was really confronting. I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do, you know. And what a bunch of stuff came up for me that weekend, and it and it was huge for me. And um, it really, really helped me. And it helped me in ways that I could. It wasn't sort of explicit. I just I had feedback from important people in my life, specifically my mum and my sister at that time, who were really struggling. Uh, my little nephew had just been been diagnosed with very serious illness. You know genetic condition that he's never going to recover from and the prognosis was was really bad and my family were really struggling and um i'd, I'd flown over to the to the uk for this because uh, i was living in australia and i went to this men's group right at the beginning of the trip and then i spent a couple of weeks with my family and at the end of that a couple of weeks later both independently both my mum and my sister said to me there's something different about you and it's good and i was like Oh, okay. I don't know what that is. I wasn't consciously doing anything different. Um, and it really opened my mind to like, okay, there's something about that space. And um, I realized one, it's needed. And two, uh, I could help facilitate those kind of spaces too. You know, the, the magic of it was not that the, uh, the coach facilitating it was, was a genius. And don't get me wrong highly rate that guy I got a massive amount of respect for him and worked with him for, for a number of years but um it wasn't like his magnificence that was the power in it it was the 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 the, 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 the deliberate cultivation of that kind of that kind of environment 
And I was like, okay, I could do that too. And, um, and so I started to do those, those kind of things too. And, um, just started really seeing the impact of it and the ripples that, that were going out, not just from, from not getting, just getting that feedback from the men in the room, but getting that feedback from other people who were coming to me afterwards and saying, do you really, I can see what you've done with this person or that they're different. And, um, I just started to realize, hang on a minute. This is in terms of leverage. Like, I think of it in terms of leverage. Like if you want to create change in the world, the more you can focus on, you know, the th one thing that's going to have the biggest knock on impact. And I started to realize doing work with men is one of, is an area that is a high leverage area because it impacts them, it impacts their families, it, it impacts the broader male dynamic, it impacts the, the business world, it impacts everything. Um, and so that's what really got me onto really seeing the value of it and being willing to pursue it in spite of the fact that actually it's not probably from a business perspective, it's not the easiest place to focus because it's not like there's queues of men standing there going, we're ready to understand ourselves. It's actually the opposite. Um, but, but I think it's important, you know, and um, it still is. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Warrior, thank you so much for being a part of the information that we have. And you're part of our story as we are a part of yours. It's very much an honor to be able to connect with each other. If you want to know more or you want to get started with working with me or working with our warriors so that you can begin your path to authenticity, strength, leadership, and accountability, this is the way. Together, we are way stronger. Now you get to choose. Do you go forward or keep doing what you've always done? If you stay where you're at, hey, click on some of the stuff and follow what it is. We got motivational stuff. We've got podcasts. We've got more things. Just subscribe and do the stuff and we'll keep you updated. But if you want to start going in, start jumping into what our programs offer and start your journey and being the hero in your own story. It's highly important. You you covered a lot of really good stuff that... Um, the people who listen to what I do, they understand I'm right there with you. We created the Warrior's Way mindset to do the same thing. It's a round table with a creed, and then the second rule is no blame, no shame, no judgment. We don't, the, the past is to teach us, not to tear each other down. You know, every loss is a lesson. Like we, same thing where it's a round table, and we teach also to challenge everything, which is why if, you know, you were in a group with me, just like the guy you were talking about, challenge me too. I'm also in an evolution. I'm also mm. growing. So it's not, you know, I'm the king and you're in my group. It's this is Arthur's round table. Please speak your speak your voice. Like I need to hear from you too. We get stronger together. So you found a, a lot of pieces in here, especially getting into leadership and what that means. You're also right in calling out all of our brothers out there who are lone wolves and think they have to do it all on their own. One thing I found is that for us guys, we're taught that we are not supposed to seek help because it's considered weakness. And yeah. most guys don't actually listen to advice until they're in crisis. Yeah. Until they go, I have done all the things I thought was right and it's not working. What do you say? <laughs> like, we don't listen until we're proven our own stuff doesn't work. And unfortunately, rock bottom is a gnarly place to be alone. Mm. And that's why together we are stronger. 
I enjoy that when you mention like when you see the guys together in a space where you can remove your armor, it creates growth. Mm. And that's the power of the pack versus being a lone wolf. Yeah. Together we're way stronger. And so I, I also have found the same calling where it's like, don't you see how badass we are when we team up our different strengths and then tackle the same problem? Mm. Here's another thing I want to add in, like, and this is something that's been pretty important. I've worked with men's groups, I've worked with women's groups, and I've worked with people across the globe. And there's something that women are struggling with today with their men. What is your take on working with men and this one word, empathy? Hmm. Uh, two years ago, I think... I did a collaboration with um, with a guy who'd been a one on one client of mine, and um, he'd come to me uh, because his wife had, had basically given him an ultimatum and said, because um, he'd come off the rails uh, in his sort of early fifties and had achieved amazing things, really successful guy, and done really well, ticked all the boxes, and got to this point where. He was like, what's, what's this all about? You know, I've done everything that I thought I would do and I'm not feeling how I thought I would feel. And he's made some pretty bad decisions at that point and put their relationship at risk. And um, she gave him an ultimatum and said, look, we can continue. And I, I'm happy to, I want to stay with you, but you need to sort yourself out. And um, that's how we got talking. And we did some work together and got, got him back on track. And then we did a collaboration together and, and we created this, this, um, this men's group. And, um, I had an opportunity at that point. Uh, his, his wife was, was, uh, running a network of, of, uh, of women in business. And she said, when you're ready to launch this, you can talk to my network about it. And I said, fantastic. It was like 6,000 women in this group. And I thought, I don't know how to talk to women about this because I've only ever, when I've been filling men's groups, I talk to men and I've obviously mentioned it to women in my world that that's what I'm doing, but I've never like gone really deep into it with, with women. And I thought, I just don't, I'm not sure of the language of like how to communicate this to women. And so, uh, I did what I usually do when I don't know the answer. And I asked questions and listened and, um, I did a research project and I talked to 50 women over probably four or five months, maybe. And uh, asked them. I wasn't going, "Hey, here's the, here's the men's group. What do you think?" I was just I was doing research. I was asking. I was asking questions like, you know, what what do you think's going on with with uh, the men in your world? What do you think they need? What where where where, where do you think they're struggling? Like, what what do you think's needed in in the broader male dynamic? Um, and I talked to fifty women, old, young. Some of them were talking about their partners. Some of them were talking about their kids, their sons. Some of them were talking about their fathers. But consistently, the 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 message from all of them was, "Thank God, someone's doing something." And the the big theme uh, that came through from that was, I can see that the the, the man in my world is doing his best and he's trying and he's just doesn't know that he, he doesn't know how to communicate to me. He doesn't, he's not able to um, articulate how he feels and what he wants. And I can see that he's not being honest with me because he's scared of upsetting me. 
and that that's a massive barrier and this is this huge issue in our relationship and it's not just romantic relationships this is um you know friendly relationships parental relationships uh and so it i don't think it's that men don't have empathy i know a lot of very empathetic men i think it's the no no empathy for men that's where that's where that's where the gap for women to men has been and like just to kind of piggyback on this not being honest with her and then like uh you know he can't share his feelings with me and all of these things we've heard the stop where women are saying i need you to be my safe place I need you to be my safe place, right? We, you've heard this. Be a safe place for her, right? Yeah. Not just physically as a protector, but also emotionally and mentally. Be safe for her. If she's venting, don't fix it. Just be safe for her, right? We've heard that, what guys should do. I did a survey with over 100 men, just asking, because i got enough guys in my group. I'm asking. First question, are your feelings important to you? Mm. And every 100% said, yes, my feelings are important to me. And I said, do you believe your feelings are important to her? And 97 said, no, my feelings are not important. Now, it's important here to explain the difference between a feeling and well-being. Getting you a sandwich, what's the feeling? Making sure your laundry is done, what feeling is that? You know, making sure that you have, you know, your lunchbox or you have, like, you know, the, the... gas in the car what feeling is that well not one of those is a feeling those are all well-being those are just things we're taking care of that we needed done but when it comes to how does your man feel well his sadness that's not attractive i don't don't, get your shit together we got work to do how are you going to do to fix it how are you going to fix that What, what are you doing about it i'm having a very tough day at work and i'm really struggling well you can't quit your job because if you do our safety and security is at risk so you can't quit your job so what are you going to do about it there's no addressing your feelings. Mm. This all goes into well-being or self-preservation. So each guy is going, when my feelings come up, my sadness is shamed. If I'm overly silly, I'm too ridiculous and too loud and too much. And if I get angry, especially in the relationship, also shamed. And so women would consistently say, I want my man to be that, that leader and that rock for our relationship. I want him to be the rock for us. And I said, that sounds awesome. What emotions do rocks have? Rocks don't have emotions. You want a statue? I want him to be stoic, but you won't acknowledge that he's a human? I'm like, that's consistent. Now, let's go ahead and address the three that were, no, I think that my woman has empathy. Two of those guys were in the first two weeks of a relationship, and so was the honeymoon phase, and they all broke up. And one guy was in complete denial of his relationship and uh, they are already divorced because she actually wasn't doing any empathy. He was just in denial. And so like the three oddballs that were like, we're going to defy the rule. all prove the rule. So I have a 100% thing that the women don't show empathy for their men. And then when I worked in the women's groups and I've worked with multiple women's groups, I've had my own warrior groups for women. We had to break denial and excuses and justifications, and it took weeks to crack through that for authenticity around, do you care about his feelings, or is this for what your well-being or what you think he needs to provide for you? Mm -hmm. And men were loved for what they provide and not for being human beings. Mm -hmm. 
And that was the universal. So where does a man then have a fighting chance to be heard and loved and respected for being a human? And this is why you bringing up the men's groups is important. Our places that we create, I have it, you have it, is the only place a guy can take his armor off and be a human and not be shamed for it. The only empathy my guys get generally, especially because a lot of the relationships that they started were from an unhealthy place for themselves. And they would choose somebody who was also unhealthy. And they have unhealthy dynamics they're trying to navigate. The only person who shows I care about you as a person just for being, men can do it for other men. That's an important factor that I found because the women are universally not doing it. I wish I had a much higher percentage, but even out of a hundred guys, I didn't have enough variant to go. There's enough here that needs to be challenged more. It's a 100% so far. And I'm very open to where like, you know, you hear uh, in my comment section, I've got millions of views, comments. I, I do it. I do empathy. Let me go ahead and clarify. If I said, if I was you, that's how I would feel. That's not empathy. That's about mm. you. Mm. It's not about them anymore. What do you feel? If that was me, I would feel this way. You just took it off of them and made it about you. That is not empathy. Mm. That's you. It's the opposite of empathy. It just made it about you. It became selfish. Yeah. And so this is where people think they're doing empathy by A, being agreeable, or B, making it about them. Mm-hmm. Not empathy. Or I'm empathetic because I took care of the, I, you know, I got his shoes for him or I booked the hotel for him. Well, that's not a feeling. Mm-hmm. Those are well-being. Now, can women have empathy for children? Absolutely. Empathy for other women. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Empathy for a TV show character. Yes. Yes, they can. But there is a block for their man, their protector, provider, presider. There's a block for empathy there because the weakness in that category inhibits some sort of self-preservation, safety, security, reassurance system that needs to be strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think. That's a, a kind of a, a subset of women, isn't it? Or a subset of relationships, let's say, a romantic relationship. Um, certainly my, my overall sense from, from talking to women about this is, is like they're with us. They want us to be grounded and understand ourselves and communicate. I, I felt like from my research into this, they were our biggest supporters in, in that, really. They, you know, they were like, come on, we, 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 we need men to rise up too. We rise up better together. I, I, that was a very strong thing. Bear in mind, it wasn't just about romantic relationships. It was um, people talking about their brothers or their, or their kids and, or even their fathers. I think when it comes to the romantic relationships, that becomes then confusing because there's this, I, I don't think actually women often know what they want because they want uh, everything from a man. They want them to be safe and stable and be a provider, but they also want them to be wild and um, adventurous and, and you know, exciting. They want them to be reliable, but they also want to be a danger. And it's like, hang on a minute. That's that's a really tough gig for a man. Like, what do, what do you want from me? You know, am I, am I the lover? Am I the provider? Am, am I um, your confident who, who will, you know, listen to your, your, your problems? Do you want me to solve the problems? Do you want me to be a listener? It's like, fuck, where do I, 
for a man, it's confusing, but I think it's coming from a confusion on the other side too. I'm like, oh, they, I, I want my guy to be everything. And, and I'm not sure you can be, certainly not at the same time. And I think that can create this, you know, shaming in a certain moment or um, frustration in a certain moment. You know, I need you to be this in this moment. It's like, well, hang on a minute. I thought you wanted me to be that. So I'm trying to be that. And now you want me to be this. And it's contextual. I think it's a communication thing largely, but it, it's, um, it's a challenge on both sides. Men don't know how to be and um, women don't necessarily know what they want. Well, they do, but they want it all. And that's... It was a sliding scale. It keeps changing. And so that's yeah. a good point. It's, it's moving goalposts. When, whenever I work with guys, the main two categories I see guys coming in with the most common of curses is anger and shame. Anger and doubt. Those are the biggest yeah. one for guys. I'm not doing good yeah. enough. And yeah. uh, for women, it's denial and excuses are the main ones. They get into blame. Mm -hmm. Guys go into shame. And mm -hmm. so, like, that's the thing. So women are going to go and blame and say, uh, you should be ashamed because you're not good enough for something that I don't even know what I want. Mm. It's a sliding scale of judgment to tell you how you're not doing it right, but I don't even know what right is because it may change tomorrow. Mm. So today I want you to be financially stable, and tomorrow I want you to be physically amazing, and then the next day I want you to be my therapist, and then the next day I want you to be the bad boy, but then the next day I want you to be the good guy, and this mm. day I want you to be a great father, but this day I also want you to be the adventurer. And you're like, mm. I don't know who I'm supposed to be for this sliding mm. scale. And no matter what I'm, they'll say I nail it. And then the next day you're like, you're not nailing it because I also wanted you to be this too. Oh. I have a list if you want to crack up. I, I actually ask my people, just like you do, like, I don't know the answer. Let me ask questions. And I surveyed multiple women's groups for what do you want in a man? And oh. I made up a list called the, the Prince Charming. I made up this Prince Charming list on my own. And it was as ridiculous of a list as like it was most obscene like he's a great dancer perfect smile has a bunch of money super generous with his money takes care of everybody always stoic you know like uh, he's a great cook but he's also super educated like this ridiculous list like it was uh, across the board it was like 60 things as as asinine as i could get and i said ladies this is my list and they were like this list is insane and i was like well make your own list ladies they came back and their list was longer. <laughs> their list was longer. I did a video on this. It's, it's a video on my TikTok of me reading the list that ladies say, this is what we want from a guy. Mm. And this dude was beyond impossible. And I, and I even threw this out there. This is the superficialness of not knowing what you want. I said, ladies, let's do this. I'm going to give you your wish. There's 79 things on here, and I'm going to give you a guy who has all of them. And I'm even going to add in two extra ones. Amazing protector. He's a fucking ninja. He can take out a 6'5 giant. He's a, he's a badass. And he's got a huge dick. Like, I'm going to give you above and beyond. This whole list, I'm going to add those two. He's a ninja, and he'll fuck you into retardation, and you're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. And they're like, we like this. And I'm like, <laughs> sign me up. And I'm like, he's five foot three. More than half bailed on the perfect guy.
mm. because he was born shorter than they think he should be. Wow. A, a, the most ridiculous list. Millionaire, good family, loves their kids, takes care of everything. Good cook, great dancer, great smile, super intelligent, highly educated. Like the list was insane. I also added in Ninja and Huge Schlong. Still too short, deal but, breaker. And I said, mm. can you imagine a man who's got all 80 of these things? What do you believe you bring to his table to be this selective? Mm. Because this guy is like a top one percenter. What are you able to be so judgmental for that you bring to the table? And there was no, it's, it's, you want to know what the, you want to know what the sound was? <laughs> we, we, we don't have a, we didn't do any self-assessment. We gaslight our mm. own introspection. The women mo in most cases won't really ask hard questions to themselves because it's going to be justified for some reason or another. And so he didn't assess what is my value that I bring to a guy who's perfect. He's just not, not tall enough for me. Mm. And it's not a protector issue because he's a ninja. So it's not like, well, he's short, so he can't keep me safe. That's not the guy. He'll, he'll mm. Jean-Claude Van Damme kick someone in the face. That's not, this is the guy, right? Had nothing to do with it. That's amazing. Mm. Now the men's list, I think it was 11 things. And every single thing on the list had nothing to do, like the, even the attractiveness, which is the most common one people would put guys under. They were like, just above average. Like, I don't need her to be a 10. Like, give me like a six. And like, she tries. Like, she at least like eats well and takes care of her body. Like, she like at least makes an effort. I don't need her to be perfect. I, I'd rather her be like, she's pretty and she tries. Like, I'd rather that. You know, and they did, the, you know, the hot crazy scale. Have you ever seen that? That yeah, chart. Yeah. They're like, I'd like her to be at least average hot. And they were being generous to go at least under eight crazy, which <laughs> is a very high number, by the way. Like, I'm like, it, let's be real. If we can get down under four, that's probably a good number. But they're like, no, no, we, we'll accept a high level of crazy as long as they're trying. The rest of the list was be a great listener, be compassionate, be nurturing, be loving, be fun, be kind. And kindness was really the big one. Don't be nagging. Don't be complaining. Don't be bitching. Be kind. Be, be, show, show some sort of effort to be empathetic or compassionate or care. The list was all just kind things. Appreciation was really big. Just appreciate, have gratitude. That was the list that guys put down. And if you look at the women's list, even when I share it to women, they were like, this is an insane fucking list. Mm -hmm. And they look at the men's list and I'm like, were these guys really being chauvinistic and sexist or anything like that? They're like, this is the most reasonable list I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Surveyed by women also. This isn't just the guys tooting their horn. Yeah. Well, that leaves a big gap in the whole thing. Like, you're not good enough based on somebody who doesn't know what they want. And yet, this is a leadership thing. I'm going to give you another piece. I'm, I'm just dropping stuff on you, Nate. So... Here, here's one of the things. <clears throat> so when I did, a, I did another survey uh, based on like, um, let's see, what was I talking about? They don't know what they want. They have this thing. I think I just lost my train of thought. Damn, we're so live. It hurts right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, so this is what it ended up being. Four women. They found this out when it came to advertisements. Women are far more susceptible to um, being socially accepted. 
the Jones effect, if you will. They found this out yeah. in like the 60s. They started changing all their ads over to have it. So like choosy moms choose Jif or like all good moms right. do this or, mm. you know, the women in the know, they do it this way. Or mm. you, if you want to be up on trend, you need to wear the style. Or if you want to look good, you know, you know, you wear this makeup. Like they started mm. realizing if you wanted to get sales, women were the one who would fall for the ads the most because they wanted to have social acceptance and be a, a part of it. And if you started looking at the way the ads work, they don't work as well on men. So now multiply that by social media about like how people post up how their families are or how they are and the social approval of having like the perfect thing, the perfect thing and the comparisons and how women will start changing themselves based on what they're seeing others do. Mm. And they're influenced highly by outsource or outside sources. They're highly influenced. I want that, or I'm not good enough, or I compare myself to, or why isn't mine not like that? Now, I riddle, riddle me this. With men, do you think the susceptibility is around the same for guys if you saw a Calvin Klein ad and now you have to look like that model and buy that underwear. Is it the same for us? I've got no idea. I think... How influenced are, are you? By, I, I think men are motivated, more motivated by what women think of them rather than what everyone else thinks of them. Correct, Amundo! Which means if we're highly influenced by our girl and we'll change ourselves based on what our girl says that she wants, but she's highly influenced by all these outside sources and constantly changing her mind. Mm -hmm. Who do you think should be the in, in, in charge of the direction here? The mm. person who will keep true North and do what they believe is right for the pack or the person who's constantly influenced and changing their mind all the time, mm. who should yeah. be steering the boat. Mm. This is not because I'm saying one is better than the other, but one is going to make sure that the whole pack is okay. And the other one is going to start shaming the pack because they saw a Facebook image of somebody who has all of the kids and them wearing the same flannel and a pumpkin patch looking like a perfect family. And our kids are jumping off the couch and writing on the walls. Mm. We're mm. not good enough. That's your mm. fault. Mm. Instead of going, we have healthy kids and you're safe and we have all the things that we need. And I love you. Mm. Mm. Why would we worry about that person's photo? Because one month later, that family is getting a divorce. And mm. that was just a picture that was taken. Mm. Well, who's not going to be influenced to say, like, you're not good enough because I saw another image? Yeah. Guys don't care. Like, and I surveyed my guys. I'm like, hey, if you saw a, a picture of, a, you know, Victoria's Secret ad and go, like, my girl doesn't look like that. Do you go home and go, you're not beautiful because she is? Mm. And I had zero guys who are like, we don't give a fuck about that. No, mm. I've never gone to my girl and gone, be a size zero. Have you ever done that to your girl and go, I need you a size zero now? No. We don't do that. Guys are not, we're not connected to that. Mm. But women are constantly saying, I'm not enough based on an outside comparison that had nothing to do with my man at all. Because none of my guys were falling in this category of putting that kind of pressure on their women. Mm. But women were putting that pressure on themselves from outside validation. Mm. Who should be calling the shots? Yeah. But if we're changing ourselves based on a person whose scale is constantly changing based on a social media post, we're headed right for the crash. We're going to smash. Yeah, it's... it's um... 
it's what we said before. It's just moving goalposts, isn't it? It's unsteady ground. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, am I doing well here or not? I don't know. Like, I thought I was, and now I'm not sure. So what's what's your take? Those are those are a few of the things survey wise. What mm. what's your take? Where you go, like, man, interesting info. What what do we do with this? Or how can we support our guys? Or mm. what would be like a potential like solution to one of these things that like I wouldn't say it's a problem, but I say it's a leadership issue. Yeah, I think it it depends what what the problem is that we're trying to solve. I mean, the thing that that really came up for me when you when you were sharing that was one of the reasons why I see such huge value in, in, in men's groups in, in terms of um, doing, doing the work and, and finding a deeper understanding and, and as a vehicle for, for growth, because definitely one of the things that I've seen, and I've been this guy too, is in some of mixed spaces when you're doing the deep work or seeking to do that to better yourself and understand yourself more deeply that's really hard if you've got a hot girl in the room. Like it's just you men are different. And we immediately we've got the like we 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 we're not gonna be as vulnerable, we're not gonna be as open and not gonna be as honest. Um and I I've I've seen that, I've been that, I've been in these kind of spaces where there's real potential for transformation and it's like, yeah, but I'm not gonna say what I really think because she's cute and I don't want to be honest about this because I'm embarrassed. And I I think uh, that's one of the reasons why that I, I see such huge potential for, for these spaces for, for men because there's a level of depth that men will go to given yeah. the right circumstances. Yeah, we, we can't take the armor off if there's somebody there. There's there's a thing inside of all of us men that I think people forget is there's a little boy inside of all of us who wants to impress you. Hmm. Look what I can do. Look what, how fast I can go or look what I can jump off of or look what I can build or look what I drew or look what I made or look how strong I am or whatever. There's hmm. a part of us that wants to impress the girl. Hmm. Even if you don't even have real intent, you're like, well, I don't want to look dumb in front of this girl. Yeah. Like there's a thing inside. Like even if you were like, let's just say you're doing a workout and you're like, man, this is fucking heavy. And then a cute girl's like, hey guys, what are you doing? Can I watch? You're going to be like, put on another plate. <laughs> you know, like all of a sudden you just got superhuman strength and you will, you will literally break bones to make sure you don't look dumb in front of her. Mm. There's a thing inside of us that wants to go like be impressed. There's a, there's a reason there's cheerleaders at sports events. There's a psychological thing that we want to perform better when you've got a girl cheering you on. And a lot of times the relationships that we choose is because she was the best cheerleader at the beginning. You know, we choose them based on like, man, she made me feel the most inspired. And I wanted to be better every time I was around her. That's a part of men. That's a part of us. And I went through like roles of a man. And when I start going through all of the roles that men do for like our, like what's a man's job, like protector, provider, presider, being the voice of reason. We're the empathetic ones for like all the pack and we make sure everyone's needs are addressed. Like we go into all of these different things. And at the end of like the, there's like 11 things that we had for our guys. Like that's our role. At the end, the guys were like, every one of our jobs is to serve others. Every job that we do is for other people where men are natural givers. And I think it's forgotten. The provider, 
I go get and then make sure you have it. That's a provider. That's a yeah. giver. Mm. I will protect you with my life. I will give my physical well-being and put it on the line so you're safe. That's mm. a giver. I will make sure that there is balance and peace here because I will try and keep the logic in, intact here the best mm. I can. That's a giver. Yeah. And I guys are the, givers. Yeah, totally. I, I agree. And I, I, I see that that, which is a noble thing and it's a, it's a virtue. It's a, it's a coming from a positive place. And I also see that it's a source of major struggle for, for a lot of men because in doing that, they very often sacrifice themselves. And they very often um, don't even acknowledge, actually, don't even connect to, hang on, what do I want here? What do I need? Like, what's the right thing for me? Because very often it seems like it's at odds with uh, what their partner needs or what their kids need or what their their family needs. It, it, it seems like there's, there's this idea that I've heard many, many, many times, it, both implicitly and explicitly from men, which is uh, if if I... If I do what's right for me, that that's selfish and that, that that's not that's not uh, being a provider. It's not doing the right thing for other people, and that's a that's a very binary way of looking at that. I just I don't I don't see it like that. Actually, right. the, I've got a men's group running at the moment, uh, which is a virtual men's group, and the, the whole premise is you can you can connect to what you want and create what you want, and that's actually the gift that you can give to everybody around you. Like you being you and you owning that and you creating everything that you want and not settling and, and not selling yourself short. That's absolutely the best thing for your partner or your kids or your family. Like you being connected to that is such a powerful, um, stance that doesn't have to be, doesn't have to cost them. It can actually be the best thing. And um, that can seem totally counterintuitive or like. I don't think it is. I completely, I, I had, I did a men's group right before this call. And that topic came up today where I have guys who are business owners and guys who are very successful, multi-million dollar exchanges happening with these guys' business. And they feel like when they work on their stuff, they're selfish. That was the, the belief system mm. put on them by not only parents, but spouses. You're being selfish. And I said, wait a second. What do you do when you have an abundance of something? And they say, well, I have an abundance. I just make sure everybody else is good. I make sure my kids are good. I make sure she's good. I make sure the house is got, like, I make sure everything is better. I improve everyone else's life. And I'm like, who else is more worthy of abundance or working on themselves when the more that you have, the more you make sure others have? Mm. Isn't that the person who should have the most? Because they make sure others are good. That is a good leader. Mm. But if you're like, I gather, 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 covet and hold to myself and I hoard and all of you starve while I thrive. Well, that person does not, it's not a leader. That's a taker, not a giver, but a good man, a good leader is a giver. Mm. And so that guy should be selfish because he's actually selfless. Yeah. So that's, should you want more? Yes, because if I have more, you have more. Mm. So yeah. judging. You can't, and this, you can't give what you haven't got to give. So that guy should be working on getting more mm. because then all ships rise with a good leader around. Yeah. Let's go ahead and fight an enemy together. 
And tell me if, if this feels like a worthy, noble cause for you. I right now have a high target for judgments. Right now, I'm like, we're, we have to start catching judgments. This is the weapon for compliance these days. You're bad. You're not good. You're the, you're, you're the, you're the stupid one, or you're a chauvinist, or you're a bigot, or you're anything. They start judge, 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 as though everyone who just has an opinion is now an authority. Mm-hmm. And this is how people change based on social acceptance. Like, and I, I've done this example multiple times, and I, I think I just want to have you start with it. What is your take when you see the effects of judgments and the problems that come with it, especially societally, not even just men or not even women, but just how people operate to tear each other down by saying, you're not good enough because I made it up? Um, I think I think we can't help but judge. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's an innate thing f- for us. It's a survival mechanism, actually. You know, we have to, someone crosses our path, we need to make a judgment immediately. Are they a threat? Are they food? Like, it, it's 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 deep within us to be automatically judgmental. Um, and so in that sense, I don't think we should beat ourselves up for, for that. That's evolved over many, many millions of years and thousands of generations um, to keep us alive. And it probably has kept you alive up until now. So, so in a sense, I, I wouldn't want to, I criticize the the, um, the 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 reflex. It's like automatic judgment that happens. Um, where I think it it becomes a problem is where people uh, assume that their initial judgment is the absolute truth and aren't willing to to look at it and question it. Um, I think for me certainly, and I'm calling myself out as growing up in a very judgmental culture. British culture is massively judgmental. We've still got a huge chip on our shoulder. I think as a as a culture, there's still this like whiff of uh, imperialism going on, and, and you know, thinking we're better than everyone else. And um, I'm I'm lucky that I uh, lived in London for 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 a lot of years and been around the world a, a fair bit as well, and, and have many friends from from lots of different cultures, and and spent time living away from the UK as well. That really helped me to see that because it's hard to see it when that's all you can see. But but when you start to to get um, other perspectives, I think you you can start to notice just your your innate um, innate judgments. And I, I think having sort of seen through that to to a large degree, I'm sure I get caught up in my own judgments too on a regular basis. In fact, I know I do because I catch them all the time. Um, but I think that's where it becomes an issue. Is like here's a bunch of judgments, and they are true because what i think is obviously right and i'm not willing to even question them i'm not willing to um have them challenged i'm not willing to even look at my own judgments i think it's just as true for self-judgments as it is for judgments of others as well you know we i think one of the things that i see is the, the biggest challenge that anyone faces is their own judgments of themselves um and so I, I I see many many problems created by judgment. Um, so much conflict and so much um, just re- refusal to acknowledge different perspectives, refusal to um, uh, you know be open to a different way of of being in the world or, or of of seeing things. You know that 
it's it's judgment that that gets in the way of of all of that um and so for me the ability to recognize judgment and to catch it and to be able to kind of put it there and look at it and be like hang on a minute this is a judgment right now and i'm coming from this and I'm, am i cool with that is this actually true am i willing to change that or be open to seeing it differently that for me seems like a vehicle for 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 change for for um for for growth and for a broadening of of perspective and to be honest that's a pretty major part of my work with people really helping them catch their own judgments um and that's where you know the people who i've got around me in terms of coaches and mentors and um men's groups and various things that's part of the reason i invest heavily in in those those kind of things because people help me to see my judgments um so i i think it's a huge area i think it's such a again in terms of leverage i think it's a place to look that can impact so many things yeah it's there's and i i give you a praise too for bringing up uh, multiple different facets and even being able to assess intent because one would be to able to like you said i'm going to assess danger and and judge whether this is dangerous or not dangerous but I don't think that that's the criticism that shames people into submission and self-censors them into hating themselves. Going like, this is not a safe alley to go down. This seems like a bad place to be. Those are judgments oh. based on survival and safety. Fair enough. But if I say, I hate your fucking shirt. Well, where's the safety and in, in, in the, the danger? Well, no, I just made you feel like my shirt's not good. Based on what? You just made up some bullshit out of nowhere. And now I'm like, well, maybe this shirt isn't good. And I didn't even think about it. I just threw it on and uh, what, what's wrong with it? And now we start doubting ourselves and questioning and what's wrong? Is this not a good fit for me? And I've seen people, their entire belief system shattered in just one judgment. Hmm. You know, and I will say, even working with women, most of the self internal like damage done was from another woman judging them, especially at a young age. It's usually a yep. mom thing. We're like, that looks terrible on your figure. And they go, oh. this was my favorite outfit until you said oh. that. Oh. And I have actually worked with women who like just that one sentence ruined their self-esteem because they yep. didn't have any defenses against the person that loves them the most. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so judgments becomes dangerous based on intent or purpose and having the awareness to catch them. So, I'm with you. I really enjoyed, uh, you're right, the British culture thing. Good call. Good call. But, I, I, you know, I'm not a part of that one. So it's like, I didn't think about that. You're right. Culturally, like, we're better than everybody else. Just the yeah. culture itself is designed to say we're judgmental. Yeah. That's a tough, that's a tough one to even build a defense for when it's the default for the nation. Yeah. It's tough because you can't see it, which I think is true for self-judgment too. Like when someone like the lady that you mentioned forms a judgment of herself at very often this happens at a really young age and like you say sometimes it can just be one thing that's said or it, it doesn't have to be a result of major trauma you know it can just be a family dynamic or a certain look or a certain thing and someone takes on this judgment and it's so deep in them that they can't see it, it then it becomes who they are and it's like the, this narrative it's like this is the story of me and because we live through our stories of of us it becomes true and so we project it and we're like, I'm a loser. So now everything I, everything I touch is rubbish because I'm a loser. And I'm, I'm, you know, there's a saying in, um, 
I think it came from, uh, oh, who did it come from? I think it came from Gregory Basin. It was, um, what the thinker thinks the prover proves. It's like your idea, um, is, is alive in you and it's seeking evidence to validate that it's true, whether it's a good idea or not. And if that idea happens to be a self judgment, it's like you're, you're, you're constantly validating it and proving it to be true just, just because you, you, you think it. And, and, it's because it's out of sight that it's an issue. I think when you can bring it into sight, then it becomes something that you can work with. Like the cultural thing, I remember I was going out with a girl, um, a Bulgarian girl, who had uh, lived in a in a few countries actually before she came to the UK, but she she was living in the UK and that's where we met. And I remember her saying to me, um, British culture is just so judgmental. She said, I walk in a room and I, I immediately feel the judgment based on my accent, based on my skin color, based on what I'm wearing. She's like, I just feel it more than anywhere else that I've lived. And at the time I was, I was just, you know, I was laughing. I was like, nah, what are you talking about? You know, this is it's super sensitive and it's, it's not real. And I just, I couldn't see it. And it was just a source of a, a joke, you know, which, which for me was just me judging her. And it was only when I then uh, lived away and was in a different culture. I mean, the Aussie culture is, you know, not a million miles from the British culture. Um, and, and it's got some aspects of American culture too, I think, but it's definitely not British. And the more I lived there, the more I started to notice it in every, I would come back every year. And every time I came back to the UK, I would just see it. I would just see when I'd land in the airport and I would just be surrounded by British people. And there's still quite a few British people in, in Australia, but I wasn't surrounded by them. And when I'd come in, I would just see the, the the tension and the friction, and and I and I would just start to notice the, the the Britishness, you know. And there was many aspects to what that is, but but one of them was this this judgmental nature. And um, I the more I could see it in other people, the more I could then start to see it in myself. And then that then became yeah, it was quite confronting actually. It's quite confronting to see that you have had a whole bunch of assumptions and judgments and deeply ingrained beliefs that were part of who you thought you were that all of a sudden you go, hang on a minute. I didn't choose this. Like this is, I've learned this stuff. I've learned to think like this. And some of it's great. You know, there's many aspects of the culture that I love and there are also many that I don't. And and one of the things that I don't is, is the, the judgmental nature of it. And I, I remember going to her after, you know, like, years later like three or four years after she said that to me i was like fuck i get it i finally get it and i see how toxic that is and i see how limiting that is i see how that totally gets in the way and um it's just not helpful and the more that you've leveled up like it makes it so it's easier for you to navigate by knowing thyself to go like ah i gotta separate myself from that that opinion or that that energy yeah yeah I know and, not, I, 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 and not judge yourself for it because that in itself is a judgment you're like oh i'm so fucking judgmental well i'm always like this it's just, yeah you're, you're being a piece of shit and you idiot yeah. you're being so stupid and you're like stop beating you up yeah yeah it's it, culturally is the thing too i grew up in detroit i don't know if you know much about america but not a lot of people go to detroit and go what a lovely environment <laughs> like it's a tough city it's a very yeah. tough city it's a tough culture and like it's hard detroit's a hard city Mm. And, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of violence, a lot of, uh, a lot of anger, a lot of angst. It's just cold, not a lot of manners. 
and I moved to Virginia for a few years. And Virginia's down south. And so there, like, you know, the culture is like warm, southern southern hospitality. And it's very like, ah, good morning. How you doing? Like, it's super kind. And so you get used mm-hmm. to kind of being around that. Like, hey, good morning. You open the door for a random stranger. Like, thank you very much. Good morning. Hey, how you doing? Like, just mm-hmm. really nice. And I remember going back after a couple of years back home where my family was in Detroit, opened the door. I was like, hey, what's up, man? And they looked at me like, fuck you. And I was like, mm-hmm. back at home again. Mm-hmm. Here we are. That's, I forgot. That's what, that's what the normal was. Yeah. Is that it's just hard and mean and don't fucking talk to me. And that energy is just like, go fuck yourself energy, just being around right. it. Right. And, but I grew up in Sparta. I grew up in that. And so I'm like, that's just regular until you get out of that and go, why is nobody here speak Spartan? Mm. Just like you said, why aren't you guys being as judgmental? I'm judging that, that, that. And they're like, you don't got to do that here. Mm. Like, that's normal, right? Not everywhere else. Hmm. And so that's, it's, I think it's a good observation. And man, how fucked, how fucked do we feel when we're like, I was gaslighting that girl when she was like, damn, you can feel that energy. Like, no, you can't. That's just Hmm. you. Hmm. (laughs) But she's like, no, it really was there. Yeah. Dang it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing with judgments. You can't see them Mm -hmm. very often. That, this I think is why the, the art to it is, is to be actually, I think it's one of the most powerful things anyone can do in the journey of self-improvement and self-discovery is to really deliberately and consciously look at where am I judging myself, other people, the world, like what are the judgments that I've got? Because some of them will be useful, but many of them really won't. Correct. And that's, it's, it's hard, man. Cause it's, you've got to yeah. go deep and it's a lot of it's very unconscious. Um, but it's, it's so freeing actually because it frees you up to to at least be at least have some choice like do i want to continue to think like this or not yeah or will i apply that judgment to my belief system or will i decline the offer Mm. you know being able to that's why i'm with you the first the first skill we train in the warrior's way is awareness Mm. did you see it because you can't make a choice you don't know exists yeah so that's the first thing up did you see it up, there's a choice there. Did you see it? Are you going to mm. apply that judgment to your belief system and identity? Or are you going to say, that's not authentic to me? I know myself. You get to pick. Mm. You know, and a lot of times we're subconsciously trying to appease a group or a person or, you know, somebody who's like, those shoes don't go with that, man. You're like, oh, shit, I should go change these shoes. Mm. Instead of going like, I love the shoes and they're not for you. Mm. Like, we don't stand up for ourselves because we want to be accepted. We're social creatures, but we fall for it all the time. Mm. That's where it gets into, like you said, the the pace that I would say training for this is uh, people can't handle the truth very well. And so if I were to say we can't speak in radical truths because people can't handle the truth, especially their own, that's the hardest part. You're not wrong. They can't handle their own truth. And so yeah. the first step I would go to is practicing acceptance first. Mm. Instead of judging, just accept that's where they are. That's what they did or that's how they see it. I don't have to have an opinion to say you're bad, you're good, you're right, you're wrong. I can simply say I see where you're coming from. I just don't agree. And that's, I think, where people have gone off the deep end for polarization is it turns into a judgmental conversation versus a disagreement. Yeah. And that's why I say judgments is probably the enemy that I want to go after next. Yeah. Because it's the thing that destroys people from the inside out based on a subjective opinion with no facts necessary. Yeah. We need to be able to challenge those things to know myself, 
know exactly what it is that I'm seeing so I can choose whether I apply it or don't apply it. And then assess, is the intention behind this judgment for danger and protection, or is it just somebody sharing their authoritarian opinion? Hmm. Well, then I can decide whether I apply or don't apply, because I can accept that they have an opinion, but it doesn't need to be mine because Hmm. I'm confident enough in who I am to not apply it. Yeah. How do you you develop this type of confidence? Our men's groups. They join your group. They join my group. They join us. And we go, hey, you can take your armor off here. I'm, have you noticed this? Tell me if you found this in your group. My men's confidence are so high now that they can be authentic in the world and people completely invalidate them. Hmm. And they're like, I don't care because I have men that I respect, men of honor and men of dignity that accept me 100%. So if you don't get it, I'm good. Hmm. Have you found that too? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a uh, a natural evolution that comes, and it's not a confidence. I, I think often people think of confidence as like swagger or kind of arrogance or something. It's not that like showy confidence. It's like a sure. quiet, a quiet confidence. Yeah. So like, okay, we're good. I'm good. Whatever's going on here, I'm I'm cool. Yeah. Uh, you're disagreeing with me or you're having a pop of me or, or um, you don't like my idea or, you know, you're saying no to, to my ask or whatever. And that's okay. Cause mm-hmm. I don't not, don't need validation from this. Cause I've already done that work to, to be grounded and validated and, and connected to who I am. So I don't actually need that. It, it, it kind of um, removes the neediness. It, I think it often removes people's attachment to outcomes which doesn't mean that they're not ambitious and so they're still going out and creating great outcomes, but not from a place of like, I need this to be okay. Yeah. And that then creates this emotional freedom, which looks like confidence. And it feels like confidence. Yeah. It's like, whatever goes, you know, we only met last week. It's like, whatever goes here is fine because you know, it's, they don't need any particular outcome to, to be okay. And um, I think there's, there's just such a freedom with that. Mm-hmm. I, I and I come. I can say that from the perspective of living most of my life terrified about what other people think, from having chronic social anxiety for years and years and years till I was like thirty till, till ten years ago till I was thirty one. That was when I when I first kind of really started to understand that. So I've got a very long history of like not feeling that at all, not feeling that confident, despite actually being pretty good at most things that I turn my hand to you know not 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 there's like um uh lack of confidence because i'm not any good at anything it was the opposite actually if i was mm-hmm. dedicated to something i generally got quite good at it but this lack of confidence just because this like constant crippling fear of what do they think and you know how does this look you know and and it's oh man it's so draining mm-hmm. and and um when when there's the we're when that when you drop that which comes from awareness and then acceptance everything that you've said when you when you when you drop that and you're just free to be and just express it's like everything gets easier <laughs> just mm-hmm. everything and and um i'm not sure i would have believed that if you'd said that to me you know a few years ago like, i i really i just couldn't have seen that i just did, i had no reference for what that was like and now I'm like, oh man, why did it take me till I was 31 to actually 
have that experience, you know? Yeah, you have, you have the, usually, and usually a trauma or something will crack us into that to wake us up. You know, we need yeah. bottoms to happen. Um, it's a panic I'll attack give, for me. Man, no shit. Yeah. And hmm. The wake up calls are serious. Yeah. Um, I'll give a, a testament to, uh, one of the, one of the, shows you should listen to versus uh, Maria Callas who's a spirit side warrior and she was breaking down the phases that really helped me also evolve a little bit on belief systems for like happening to me the victim yeah. to happening for me which is the big push right now you'll see everywhere it's not happening to you it's happening for you that's mm. everywhere but there's mm. more phases to it and people don't talk about the last two and when you are able to really do the deep work on yourself for truth and acceptance and control which is a bad word controlling everything first coping mechanisms security safety things like we do all these things for control and once you can go heart mind body and soul and outlets and balance you can get to the next phase which is not happening to you not happening for you but full observer of happening mm. that happened, you know, and it gets into the thing where like, you know, take those three examples for ex like, you know, uh, say there's a, something happens with your car, the tire gets weird. There's a piece that gets messed up. It makes the tire get weird and you crash into somebody and it's dangerous and things go crazy. And you have somebody get out of the car and go, Fuck me. Of course this fucking happens. This shit always happens to me. I fucking hate this. I'm calling. I'm suing this. And they tell everybody how tragic their life is. And if it wasn't for bad luck, they'd have no luck at all. Like, you know, the people can't wait. Misery loves company and can't wait to include it with you. Yeah. But then you get the next wave, which is happening for me, which is a recognition of holy crap. This could have been the end of my life. Holy smokes. What was the last thing I said to my loved ones? Like this, every, every second from this moment on, I, that could have been it. And every second from this moment on is now a precious gift that I may not have been able to have if I wouldn't have survived this. Mm -hmm. And now they see the world through a whole new spectrum of gratitude because now every minute became precious because you're not supposed to have any more if this would have gone any differently. Mm -hmm. Holy crap. This really woke me up. And I have seen people who are total assholes have a, like a life-threatening experience and become wonderful people because of it. Mm -hmm. So that's the other side. And the other one will go into, I have peace and balance in what is in all aspects and go, that happened. And I can accept this has happened. And I'm appreciative and, and understand. So what shall I do about this? Mm -hmm. I have full acceptance in all categories. Looks like I need a new car. And I need to tell people I love them more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I see this. Mm -hmm. The last one is working through you and you can go, I want to make sure that this accident never happens to anyone else again. And I created a campaign to make sure people check this part on their car. So it never breaks. So nobody else's lives are in danger because my trauma has now become my motivation. Mm -hmm. The thing that happened to me for me and has happened in my life now works through me. And now I'm able to help others because I've gone through difficult times to help others go through difficult times. Now you find purpose. Yeah. And so those are the phases on that. But it has a lot of times it takes one of these moments that suck, mm. a moment of true pain, a moment of absolute shock where we have to go through our full grieving system of denial, bargaining, anger, and depression to wake up. And a lot of times life's rock bottoms or ultimatums are pretty damn gnarly. Mm. And I think I want to go into like the last phase for this, this awesome conversation with you 
and go into like some of the tragedies that we not only have experienced, but we're trying to fight our asses off to prevent because hope is a fleeting uh, commodity these days. And especially in our men's groups, in the men's culture right now, hope and purpose and belonging are lacking. And isolation Mm -hmm. is through the roof and the negative self-talk and the brutality inside of our family members and our loved ones. It seems to be taking a very, very permanent and heavy toll. Mm -hmm. Is is it okay if we go into that direction and you share some of your experience so we can go in and fight this demon together? Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, I think that that those stages, you know, sometimes those stages can happen in seconds. Actually, all of them, and sometimes it takes years. But but um, there's a there's a, a possibility there to 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 be open to that if if you're willing to um, pull yourself out of the the victim mentality and and uh, and and see that there are bigger forces at play and 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 choose i think as well choose to make that meaning because i think or the meaning you make of it is always always subjective but i think um sometimes you you can you can choose to decide you know this 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 um didn't happen to me this is this is happening for me because i'm choosing it and i'm choosing well, to stand in that place because it's nicer over here <laughs> You know? Well, that's a training. And this was cool about what you're oh. doing and what we do is there's only two kinds of people. You're either trained or untrained. You either know these skills or you don't know them. You know, you either have a purpose or reason why you're doing it or you're fumbling through hoping that you get it right. And so that's why there's a, a real need for what this is. Oh. Um, if it's okay with you, I'm going to bring up the, like the, the side that's been a big mission for us lately, both in, you know, veterans and in personal life. Mm. is uh, the suicide rate right now. It's a serious thing. Mm. And this is a big purpose right now. I think both of us, it's dear to our hearts because we both lost very close people in our lives to this. Mm. And we continue to have people who are close to us, who have people close to them, who this is claiming. At this point, the last numbers that I saw for even just U.S. veterans is 44 a day. Mm. And for uh, globally, for men, it's one a minute. Even Mm. in this conversation, there's been... 70 men in this conversation who have taken their lives and that's just up to this point yeah you know but you this has hit you home and unfortunately it was a hard wake-up call for life but i mean is it okay to go into that or would you like me to start my end and you finish it it's up to you yeah i yeah i don't mind let's let's see where we go i mean um I, I, I'm not sure what the rate is here in the UK, but I know that it's 75% of, of all the suicides of men. Last I saw, it uh, was five to one men and women. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. Um, which is, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because I think certainly there's a lot of uh, criticism aimed at the, the world of men's work because it's like, well, hang on a minute, we live in a patriarchy and actually the women are the ones who are being... Um, you know who are the victims here, and and um, and which I I can understand that perspective, but I, I I don't necessarily think that's that's true. I actually think a lot of the issues that negatively affect women are coming from broken men, which comes back to where we started at the beginning in terms of leverage. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a funny one because I mean the suicide that directly impacted me was my sister actually, so that's 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 um doesn't quite fit. It, 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 into that um but 
I do think uh, you know a lot of the 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 complicating factors that led to her doing that was actually the result of of um, toxic men basically. Um, But I mean, in in a professional context, this is why it it was so brutal for me when she took her life uh, just before Christmas last year. Because I think maybe two weeks before, possibly. I think it was two weeks before I wrote uh, a post on social media about suicide because, um, as you know, I did a bit of work with a, with a social enterprise here in the UK that works uh, with military veterans uh, and emergency services staff, police, paramedics, um, fire brigade. And, uh, you know, a lot of those guys, and we don't just work with men, but but obviously most of those those uh, organizations certainly frontline people are predominantly men um but maybe not true for paramedics actually but um i wrote a post about that that i wrote because i had uh three different people within about two days having suicidal thoughts um and uh one of them was 11 years old this little boy and it just shocked me you know and i, I done a fair bit of work with, with uh, suicidal people or very often people who'd already had a failed attempt actually that was often the, the thing that actually got them to seek some help um and uh i wrote this poster about it and i think the title of it was we are failing our men um uh, that was it one of my clients actually uh, one of my private clients who uh lives in norway and where he lives he's very near a, a um flyover you know, like a big, big uh, road going over and um, someone had jumped and he sent me the picture and there's a body. out. He woke up and there's, you know, sirens everywhere and police and whatever and there's a body outside his house and someone had jumped off a bridge. Um, and that was the thing. Oh, I've got goosebumps talking about this. Um, that was the thing, that, you know, it was quite confronting. And then in the previous two days, I had these two other conversations about it and I was like, fuck, what is going on here? And I, And I wrote about it. And it was the most shared thing I've ever published on on Facebook. Um, I'm not sure how many views it's had now, but it was it was massive, um, and it obviously touched a nerve for people. You know, it was it was, it was really important, uh, and I think people can see it, but we don't know what to do about it. You know, it's like I think. I think everyone would agree that there's an issue here, but it's like, where, where do we start with this? Um, and then it was, I don't know, two weeks after that, that I found out about my sister and it was just that, that for me was a, a real um, existential crisis, to be honest, because part of it for me was like, hang on a minute. How, how, how can I be someone who helps prevent that over here and help and help to pull people back from the brink and have done many times and yet i i failed there you know with the person i'd love the most like oh brutal man brutal talk about self-judgment holy shit that floored me because i was like what am i doing with my life like how am i how can i even pretend to be able to help people if i couldn't do that and it just it stopped me in my tracks for a while i've got to be honest um but I don't know. I I think it depends whether you want to talk about suicide as a thing or suicide as part of the male d- 
dynamic because I think um, I think we can keep it as just a thing. Like this affects okay. everybody because it's no different yeah. than addiction. It affects everybody around them. It's everyone, you know. Yeah. So like even still, if it's five to one, your sister fell into the one. Like yeah. it's and it's still not a, a, a low number. It's just mm. because that that's just the smallest metric of a large number. Yeah. You know, and so no, I think that as a whole, it's pretty pretty important for everybody. Yeah, it is. It is. And I, I think that's the thing that, or that's one of the things that I, that that was a huge realization for me during this period. And, and still, even now, it's like the moment I really started talking about it publicly, um, it was staggering to me how many people I knew who'd been affected by it, by it. or they knew someone or a friend or something, you know, the amount of people who had some reference for, for a suicide was shocking in, in an environment where supposedly, I mean, the UK is like officially like the fifth richest country in the world or something like that. We've got one of the highest standards of living anywhere. We've got one of the highest standards of living in the whole history of humanity. It's like, hang on a minute. We've got so much. We've got this incredible, these incredible lives really. Um, as a general rule, the average is very, very high uh, compared to whatever you want to compare it to. And yet this is making sense and it's making sense for more people. It's making sense for younger and younger people, which is the thing that's so sad about it for me. It's like when this, I mean, 11 year old starting to go that way. Like what, how, how is that happening? And, and I think um, it just highlights how uh broken our society is where that is a very real option for people where they and 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 I can say this having sat opposite people who um have made a plan which is very different from a suicidal ideation by the way like lots of people you know there's a, there's a huge thing from a safeguarding perspective there's a massive difference between I've had a suicidal thought which anyone I've ever asked has said yes to that um, versus I've made a plan. That's very different. And I, that's one of the things that I've seen um, from, from talking to people like that. It's that it just can become the obvious logical conclusion. It's like they, they just can't see a way out. It's like, this is the only route. This is the only thing that's going to have me feel better. Uh, and they they feel isolated. They feel like no one understands them. They feel like there's nothing else that they can do. There's no other levers to pull. It's like I've tried it. I've exhausted all options here mentally. The logic says that's that's the only course of action now. And I, I, I've sat opposite people and have been in this conversation and just been. I felt my blood run cold with just like the logic of it. You know, like just someone going, "This is it," and they've totally made up their mind. And it's like, whoa. How do we get to that point? Like, how do we, how, what's going on in our culture that one is creating the conditions for people to feel so fucking lost that they even consider that in the first place, but then two, to feel like there's nothing that they can do to, to change anything in their life. That for me, I think it, like we're, that's on us, actually. That's on all of us. Like we've got to be honest about looking at, how how we live and what we're doing and, and how our society works because um that's that 
that's the the tragedy i think and that is i think it's changeable you know i don't think it's we're destined for more and more people to be going down that route i i, I think we i think it can be uh it can change but um i think it's on all of us to be open to it and to be willing to engage in the dialogue about that and be willing to contribute to that change too yeah highest honors to like your sister and like honors to you for going into these fights like like highest honors highest respect like it's it's such a massive loss and then a direct connection to it and i've had i've had to go to funerals for friends who like you know shot themselves in the car like that like i've had to go and 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 be at these funerals I, i i know those moments and it's it's gut-wrenching do i think that there is hope uh i'm going to give you a a glimmer of hope and like you know if you don't have this like you know i would encourage you to incorporate this into your group you know if you don't already but like uh one of my guys who was his name is phil i I give phil a lot of credit he's when we go through our strengths phil's and he's his super superpower is he's likable that's like his whole thing he's just just a sweetheart. He's just a super nice guy. That's just it. And you'd think that that wouldn't be an amazing ability, but ask any introvert if they would like to have your just light, because every one of them is like, I would really enjoy that ability, please. Everyone just likes you. Yes, please. Well, Phil is like, I don't know what to do with that. He was isolated. He's got injuries, like really like debilitating injuries. And he's like, I'm isolated and alone. And he just started hanging out with our group. And so eventually I like, I, you know, had Phil join and I took care of Phil to join. And he's like, how can I get to contribute? How can I contribute? He's like, I just like to hang out with people. Can I create a hangout group? Just a hangout group. It doesn't have to go into battle. We don't have to do deep work. We don't have just bullshit. We can talk about fishing and trucks or girls or whatever. Just hang out. Just boys be boys. I was like, of course, man. And he just runs it. Just being likable, Phil. That's it. Just be, just being a good old boy. Just a nice guy. The suicide calls that I would have to handle just like you was maybe one a week or once every two weeks. I'd have a guy in the middle of the night who's just been drinking and sitting next to the gun saying, I don't see another fucking way out, man. And I know those battles. I've had those conversations and it would, it would be more common than we would like them to be. Yeah. And since we started this, like, Hey, just jump in and hang out group. It's been coming up on a year now. The guys have a place to go where they're hurt. They have a place to go where they belong. They have a place and they go late. Sometimes they go to like midnight or two in the morning. They just stay up and hang out. They can be heard with guys who have gone into battle and know how to fight. They can feel important and valued. And they're wanted to be around. Since we created this group, we haven't had any suicide calls. Mm -hmm. That's a very important metric because we've had a lot more guys join but been able to feel like there's a place that they belong and that's enough to keep the demons at bay. You know, when you have a support where you're valued and you have purpose and you are important, the isolation is a killer. Oh, and we, we create, and we created a space where like you can be heard. Mm. It's amazing to me that taking the ability of just, I like hanging out with you. Mm. Is enough to make it so those calls stopped. Mm-hmm. How what a, what a, what a crazy solution! And that's why I have to give Phil praise because he's like, I just want to make a hangout group. Yeah, and that that was a game changer. Just 
come hang. I want you to be a part of the, I want to hang out with you. Yeah. Nobody wants to hang out with me. Nobody gives a shit about me. I do. Mm. Mm. And it's enough to keep the demons at bay because there's another lever there. There's hope mm. again. And there's a place where you can go. I can start working through some of the, the curses and demons in me. That's a thing. Mm. And let's go in like the, the thing for your, I would go solution wise too. the thing like for your sister, it was a toxic man who was influencing this, but we have to make less toxic men. Yeah. Like that's part of what we're doing is like, then it's going to have to be fix that part. Less toxic guys, more leaders, oh. more oh. generous, giving, strong, confident men who look out for their pack. They don't destroy or, or, or attack their pack. They protect. Yeah. You don't hurt and demolish your person because you can't deal with your shit. You train with other men to deal with your shit so you can be the strong presider for your pack. Yeah. We need less toxic guys. And that means we have to get over our own bullshit. Start getting where we're not waiting until crisis or everything goes wrong and go, let me try and improve and get stronger in my leadership with other guys and not call it therapy, not call it counseling, not call it weakness, not call it broken. Yeah. Just go, it's evolution, man. I got to get stronger. Mm. You know, and this is the part where we can do that. Also, the patriarchy talk, we're going to have to shove that shit up our asses because who's getting attacked? Your sons, the 11 year olds. Yeah. These boys nowadays, the young generation, are completely ashamed of being mm. alive because of this feminism talk going so far the other direction. Guys in my age bracket, like my men, you can say whatever you want. I don't give a shit. You can't break me with that. I was around when there's still honor, loyalty, and dignity. We still have that. Mm. Mm. But these young boys who are supposed to be ashamed for existing don't have a fighting chance and being a man is bad and that's what i'm gonna be next mm -hmm. boys statistically 30 and under have stopped asking women out mm -hmm. the good yeah. guys have stopped playing for multiple reasons not just the gratification of pornography but also the massive rejection from women having the illusion of options that aren't true mm -hmm. It's destroying relationships and guys don't want to play anymore. In fact, they feel ashamed and they get called catcalling or rapey for yeah. even asking a girl out in a noble way. Yeah. This is ruining relationships. And so it's turning on to online gratification from both sides, whether it be create your own OnlyFans account and getting all the attention you want or posting bikini pictures and getting likes and, and comments or guys going into pornography to get instant gratification without rejection. Hmm. We have to start building our guys back up to make it so that they have the confidence to create families again. Yeah. The confidence and loyalty and dignity to not tear your pack apart and not create more people like your sister who feel like this is just a, 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 no hope. Like your mm. protector has become your destroyer. We need guys to do better. Mm. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm with you on this, but creating a place of belonging where you can take your armor off and train. So that way you can go back with an alpha mentality of building others up and not tearing people down. I feel yeah. like that's the only place that we can do to start creating hope again for the next generation and not be ashamed for existing. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that's a, it's a call to arms that I, I, I think that's such a powerful um, position. You know, that is you 
sticking your flag in the sand and going right. This is this is what I stand for, and this is what I think we need to get. And and, and I, I totally agree on all fronts. Um, I think. I mean, there's a there's a bunch of different things to to possibly say on this. I I, I think on the isolation piece, that. I've never talked to someone who's suicidal, who's suicidal, who doesn't feel totally alone. <clears throat> Whether or not they have people around them, it's irrespective of that. It's a subjective experience of I'm on my own. And, um, you know, that that's a killer because we are social creatures. We need human connection. It's vital for us. It, it's it's an it, an essential part of life, and it's one of the things that we are losing at a rapid rate. And, uh, and there's a lot to be said for um, individualism. You know, I've I've just spent a lot of time in the last year, or the last probably three years, around family to support, and uh, it's hard, man. And I've needed my space. You know, I've just got back uh, to my house Monday. I've only been back three days after six weeks, and um, I. I need my my independence and my space, and that kind of uh, individualistic ideal that's in our culture of like, well, I can just do me, and that's fine. That actually is is toxic because we need support, and we need compassion, and we and we need connection. And uh, I, I see that a lot of the stuff that's happening, like you said, with, with pornography, with social media, actually, even though we're kind of hyper-connected in a way you know we're talking across the half the world here to have this conversation you know that's amazing we are we're incredibly connected in that way but we're not that connected emotionally actually we're losing that community that what is the communities that you're in these days like community that the, the um even though there are a lot of people around i remember first moving to london and being surrounded by people i'm from the country and moving to this massive city and feeling totally alone and i'm like what that's weird because there's people everywhere but it's not that it's not just proximity to others it's community and and it's um that that kind of connection and i think you know my my sister's funeral right 200 odd people turned up and you know there was so much love there was so much grief there because all those people loved her and she didn't see that if she had felt that and she'd felt the immense power of that and i felt the immense power of that i had to, that's the worst fucking day of my life man really and I, I had to stand in the church and speak to these people and i i read some words that i'd written and the energy in there was so powerful it was awful but it was so powerful because of the the connectedness, the compassion, just the mutual uh, pain, you know, it was so connecting and it helped me to get through that day. And, uh, and, and afterwards, you know, the, the, the connection from, from people and the support from people has just been insane to the, I could feel it. I could just feel it. I was getting hundreds of messages on various different messaging apps and I could feel the energy of that. And it's like, whoa, that was helping me keep my shit together when, when you know, the worst thing that could have possibly happened had, had happened. And, and, but she didn't feel that. She just wasn't connected to that. She just didn't know that was there, even though it was. And, and I think that's the thing that is on us, actually, to make sure that people know that. Like you said, 
earlier in the conversation, you know, that sometimes going through a trauma or something is the thing that has you make sure that you tell people that you care, or make sure that you voice your support for someone or your respect for someone or whatever. Like that's so needed because it's so lacking, especially uh, for men. Because uh, men don't get that even from their mates often. This is where I think there's a difference between men and women, where women are actually really good at that. We're, we're, women will say, you know, to their female friends, "How are you?" Like they're they they they're good at creating that space just to vent and just to connect without having to solve anything. Whereas men are, you can be in a room full of your best mates and feel totally alone. And I've felt that before in in the past, and, and it, 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 it's weird and it's uncomfortable because it's like there are people here, but I'm still just feel totally isolated. Um, and I think that that's something that is is on us that that's on us to help to create the kind of environments where we we feel that connection and that can be as simple as just sending someone a message you know that's it, it can show itself in many ways but um it's so easy to go oh i'm busy and i'm doing my thing and you know my i'm doing my life because <laughs> what's important to me and and miss the fact that there are people around you who might be very close to you in proximity, but who are just feeling completely disconnected. Yeah. Um, I, I would lean in on like, when I train like a real alpha, like a real man, like what's a real man. And we got into the conversation of vulnerability. We got into mm. the conversation of compassion and empathy. We got into it. Can a real man go, Hey, I fucking love you, brother, man. I fucking feel you like I'm with you on that one. And it's an honor and I respect you and I'm proud of you and I believe in you and I'm there for you. Mm. And is that weakness? Is that me being pathetic? Is that me being a bitch? Mm. It's like, I'll challenge anyone on this one. Yeah. I'm like, no, a real man can say, man, it's an honor to care for you and I'll have your back through anything, you know, and, and that's weakness. I'll take the challenge. Yeah. You know, so I had a whole group of like badass dudes, everything from police officers, military guys, linemen, truckers, like just tough dudes all going, I fucking love you guys. You guys are my brothers. Mm -hmm. Like a group of guys who started off like be a man, be tough, be aggressive, take what you want, success, status, power, fame. And by the end going, no, it's connection, man. And I've never had more compassion or more empathy and more love than from the brothers in this kind of group. Yeah. And I think that that's one of those things is raising people to have the awareness that you can be vulnerable because that moment of prioritization when you can realize that I didn't send I love you to somebody who matters to me in a long time may be the deciding factor for them in that week. And we've both probably had those moments where I just thought of somebody I cared about, haven't talked to in a few weeks or a month and go, hey, mm. thinking about you and you're important to me. Mm. And they go, fuck, you have no idea how much I needed that today. Yeah because we're not doing that anymore. And I would challenge, mm. this is another challenge I put out there. If anybody ever says this bullshit line, I'm really busy, I don't buy it. What mm. you're really saying is, you're just a lower priority to me. Yeah. So if you take that one to heart, whenever you say, sorry, I've been really busy, take an inventory on what you chose to do, because I bet if I check your screen time, social media was more important for a minute. Mm -hmm. Because how long does it take to send an appreciation message? Yeah. Especially since you can talk to text. Yeah. 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 Exactly. 
So yeah, yeah that, it's, it's a big fight, man. Yeah, and and that's that's real strength, you know. That's mm-hmm. that's what I see as real strength. I've also been privileged to do a lot of work with with elite military people, special forces. You know, incredible, incredible people who've who've done things that you know terrify me. <laughs> Just the idea of them terrify me. And they are, they're almost like the extreme end of that. They've been taught to embody this powerful masculine strength of show no fear, show no weakness, you know, don't drop the guard. I, I remember the first time I had a um, special forces soldier cry on me. On, and honestly, I was terrified because I thought he was pretty edgy. And, and I was like, whoa, if this guy kicks off, he could just rip my head off my shoulders like that. Like he was a monster. And I remember where he just, this tear rolled down his face and he admitted that he was uh, struggling with anxiety. And you know what? That took so much strength from him. That was strong. That courage. Yes, yeah, so much courage. And this guy's the kind of guy doing like secret behind the enemy lines kind of stuff that you will never, ever hear about. If yeah. he gets caught, his own government will deny him kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. he's done stuff that most people would think, well, holy shit, that's courageous. But actually, he was good at that stuff. He was great. He was one of the best no, in the world at that no stuff. No problem. Run right into a gunfight. No problem. Yeah, no issue. Like that's his thing. Like he's a yeah. he's a beast. Yeah. But it was that for him to just own his weakness or what he perceived as weakness for him to just acknowledge his uncomfortable emotion, which is all it was really. It was just him saying, "I am not okay." That was all it was. That for him was like he was trembling, man. He was like. You could see he was like trying to keep it in, and he was just eventually he dropped the guard, and it was like, yeah. and, and then that created the environment for for, for ultimately freedom, you know. And, yeah. Um, I see that as real strength, and I that's, and that's I, warrior shit right there. Yeah, it yeah, is. agreed. It is in a culture that says that you shouldn't do that, and you're you're going against the grain. You're going against what you've been taught to um, think is what is being a good real strong man mm-hmm. everyone's desperately trying to be a good man and and to go no it's the opposite and it's actually to be open and honest and just acknowledge what's going on and and admit that i don't know or i'm stuck or i'm scared or i'm sad or i'm fucking lost or whatever it is that's that's the real that that's what really changes things mm-hmm. and 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 that's that and, and it's such a powerful thing and, and i you know, if I come back to the idea of leverage, if I, I think, you know, you've got half the world's population of men, if like even 10% really started to be that, yeah, the world would change, man. The world would change. We're and, on and a mission because we, yeah, have to, it, we have to build it. That's what yeah. we've started to do. And I have no yeah. doubt that in the future with our, our powers, we'll combine. You know, let's start putting the groups together. Let's unify because we seem to be preaching the same message with multiple amazing leaders all going the same direction. The purpose yeah. is bigger than us. Oh, for sure. You know, for sure. I, you know, I think you can relate with me with something where if we can teach our men to be courageous enough to face the battlefield in their minds, like our legacy is going to, you know, supersede us. Yeah, My right. name will be gone long, long like before the teaching and the strength that we're teaching generations, there will be sons and then their sons and then their sons that carry on the belief systems that we're able to instill in this lifetime. And they won't even remember who we are. Yeah. 
you know, and I think that's where the purpose will lie. And so I have, you know, no need for ego on this one because my name will be gone in two generations. But yeah, the teachings will keep going no different than Epictetus or Marcus Aurelius or Socrates. Yeah, the, the implications are vast. Um, and if nothing else, you know, it will be uh, a lot less pain for, 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 for many, many people. Mm -hmm. And just to come back to, to what you said on the, the male female dynamic and the, you know, where, where that's going, like women are craving this. They are and not. And, and I don't mean, you know, for their men to be like, Oh, boo hoo, I'm having a bad day. I'm not talking that not like this kind no. of needy victimhood. Oh, you know, it's okay to that's, be okay. Kind of thinking. That's like, what your brothers are for. Yeah. I think that's where it can go wrong actually i think that's where some of the men's work is going in the wrong direction of just like oh i'm just i'm, I'm ashamed today and i'm just going to sit here at my shame it's not that that's but, not but what women are craving is men who know themselves and who understand yes. themselves and who um are willing to accept all of it and and like that actually from from the perspective of, and i can say this as a single man very deliberately so having been in long-term relationships for most of my life, most of my adult life. Um, you know, I've spent the last four and a half years single because uh, that's what's right for me at the moment mm -hmm. and been doing this work and been doing this work. And I, I tell you, it, it, it's creating a, such a different dynamic with women. Mm -hmm. You want those 11, you know, your, your women that ticks all the 11 things. Like the answer to that is not better chat-up lines or, you know, a better six-pack. It's, it's knowing yourself and Correct. expressing yourself fully. Women need that man. And it's magnetic for them. They want that. Man um, on, a man on a purpose is very attractive. Yeah. 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 Just a man who knows himself and who, who's willing to have Stand that level of dialogue and boundaries. Stand for what he believes in. Do what yeah. is right, not who is right. Just be know fucking honest. Yeah. The, I'm with you, man. Five weeks. The first five weeks is just tearing into who are you? Yeah. Like you have to know thyself, know thy enemy and know how to battle the demons and curses. You have yeah. to know. And I'm with you, brother. Like yeah. this is how, this is the way. Yeah. This is the way it's going to be done, man. Highest honors to hang with you, Nathaniel. I really Likewise, appreciate man. you very yeah. much. Enjoyed this um, conversation. I, I support you fully. Um, you know, this is a, this is a platform where I think we're both able to reach as many people as possible. And I want people to know where to find you and how to work with you. What what do they have to do if they're like, man, I resonate with Nathaniel so much. That's the kind of leader I want to I want to be with. Where do they go and how do they connect with you to be able to work together? Yeah, um, my website is is my name, so it's NathanielDunn.co.uk uh, or .com.au actually, because I, I still got the uh, the Aussie domains from when I was down there, um, and, and they can connect with me through there. Uh, I'm also pretty active on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find just on my name. So you can you can find me on there, um, and yeah, if it resonates, so I just encourage people to reach out. Like take take a step, you know, just reach out, just say hello, start a conversation. Um, I'm I'm not for everyone, you know, and uh, I think I think it's important for if people want to do the work. I think it's important that they find the right person to do it with, and that starts with a conversation, you know, just. Just uh, express your intent and and, uh, yeah. and be a stand for that, and whatever comes from that will come from it. Hell yeah, I love it, dude. I'm on I'm on the same mission. Together we're stronger. If there's anything I can ever do to support you, I will. 
Like, Thank you. I believe in you and I believe in your purpose. I think we're on the same mission and I'll have your back if you ever need me. Agreed, man. Well, yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, likewise. Man. Good, good right, conversation, bro. mate. Thanks thanks for creating a platform for this level of dialogue because it, it, it is needed. And if if even one person has listened to this and, and it's helped them, like this has been worth our time. And and uh, so I think uh, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing that you're doing. Yeah, we're over an hour and 40 minutes in at this point, which means if you made it this far, you're a legend. And I hope you have an <laughs> awesome day at your job because you're probably listening while you're working. And we appreciate you for being with us. Yeah. Have a good one. Thanks. Click on the button and you can become the hero in your own story. It's time to start making the choices to change. And the evolution that you're going to do begins with choosing the next step. This is the way. And together, we're always stronger.